0: I guess just go back to what I mentioned earlier about our organization and why I am so excited to be a part of this is, uh, I've I've kind of jokingly said amongst our group uh, the last few weeks is let's put the service back in service center.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Resilience Conversations. I am Rebecca Lewis-Pinkratz, and I am so excited today. I am here with Ginger Lumen and our boss, Dr. Chad Higgins. He is the person that um, is in charge of ESDAC and ESDAC Land, and we are so excited that we get to sit and kind of pick his brain and his soul a little bit today. Yeah, no pressure. They're both my bosses.
2: So, here we go.
1: <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and we've put we've uh, and Ginger's our fearless leader today, but I will just go ahead and kind of kick us off with the check-in. So, um in typical resi- resilience team style, are you mad, sad, glad, or afraid today? Kind of go inside and poke around a little bit. What's that mostly about? Um and I can start. So I I am mad today. There was um, some stuff that happened in our country in a school yesterday. We realized when you guys are um, listening to this that it will be a little ways down the road. But I'm just mad at my um, defense system of just wanting to put my hands over my ears and put my head down and pray. And I don't know how to have that conversation in a way that um, really honors and gives life and creates space. Um, so I'm a little mad at my falling short, sad and afraid. Um, I am sad at some, uh, self-discovery work I've done here recently that has really brought to light just the amount of harm I've been causing people that I care about. A little afraid of the journey of repairing that harm. And I am super glad because, uh, I told Dr. Higgins when he first got the job that he was not my first pick Mm -hmm. and how... Utterly wrong, I was. And so I'm super glad that we get to be here today and just share him with you, Ginger.
2: Rebecca, I am so glad that you told him that he wasn't your first pick. Uh, Chad, in my first meeting, I think I told him, maybe in not so many words, that he wasn't the boss of me, which is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> typical Ginger foot and mouth sort of situation. But uh, but really, you're not. I am the boss of me, and uh, he's the boss of the organization that I, I I'm choosing to throw behind. I kind of dig it. Anyway, mad, sad, glad, or afraid. I actually have right now a whole lot of glad, um, in my world. Um, I was able to get, uh, a, a big project, uh, lurched forward. It's been in the, it's been in the hopper for a couple of months now and it lurched forward in this last week, um, to where I think we've got a new book coming out real soon. Um, also, a lot of glad personally with, um, I've had some big uh, goals uh, with travel and with some big idea hiking and backpacking and fitnessy sort of things. And um, a lot of that came to a head last summer, and I've just kind of been idling through the fall and winter. And now that's starting to come back clearer in focus and moving toward that. So that structure in my world brings structure in a lot of different places, which is, you know, hence why we see the book starting to move, too. Um, also afraid. You had mentioned the um, another school shooting, which, of course, there was one last week, too. Um, I have a lot of afraid there. In this work, I try to look through different lenses and, and listen to many different voices. And uh, there are some people I'm really close to who we see quite differently, um, the situation. And so I try to listen and try to not judge too much. Um, And that's some afraid of, can I walk what I ask other people to walk in real time? And can I hold space for maybe some truth in an opposing viewpoint? And that's really, I don't know that I want to. And so that's some afraid kind of real comfortable in my judgment pants there. Mm. Yeah. Mad. No, no, those will just go back to sad and afraid. And I've always got sad. I'm holding Chad. That's on you. We kind of role model there. Mad, sad, glad or afraid. What are you, what are you carrying with you today? And what's it mostly about? If you want to share.
0: Thank you both uh, for, let me join you today. I You stole my answer. I mean, as soon as I uh, heard you start on Mad Sad Glad and Afray, that was the first thought, was what happened yesterday, what happens really seems like every week, um, and then the frustration that we spent all of our time talking on at the federal level about banning a social media platform, but not,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not really solving the problems, um, and I think intentionally, but But honestly, I'm just going to, I'm going to talk about glad. One, I'm really glad that you both feel comfortable saying, (laughs) being honest with your boss. I think Um, I don't, that then I don't feel like a boss because I hate, I hate that term and I hate uh, that kind of hierarchy mentality. So I felt that way uh, when I interviewed for this gig and, and, and ever since then uh, to be comfortable here, people feel comfortable with me. So selfishly that makes me feel like uh, maybe I'm doing a few things right that mm-hmm. that uh, the people I work with uh, aren't afraid to be honest with me and and all of the meetings we've had um, uh, I've experienced that here so and then this morning early meeting with uh, superintendents in the, in the Wichita metro area um, it's exciting to to to. Be in a position now where I'm kind of I've I've joked a little bit with my former colleagues that I'm kind of like the grandpa, in that I get to help everybody else with their problems. You know, I get to, you know, from a different perspective instead of being in the middle of the battle and the fight and the trenches where you're still you know weighted down by the same fight and battle and work. Mm-hmm. Um, now I get to take a different perspective and angle and and still have the experience to to do it. So I left that meeting this morning with. You know, again, just a thousand things to to try to think about and process and put together. Almost too many irons in the fire, but but still, um, that's the work I love. So um, I was pretty energized this morning.
2: Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Chad. I don't know how I feel about you saying that you feel like the grandpa, because I was just thinking back that you and I went to uh, the same college at the same time, even though we didn't know each other. We'll just say it was a large enough college that— we might not have crossed paths. Hard to say.
0: I was in the library most of the time. So. Yeah, I
2: remember the name uh, of that bar. And I'm actually, name I'm that actually
0: bar. a real life grandpa now for the for the first time this year. You uh, are. I've had, had both of my kids have had their yeah. own kids, and I, I it is completely undersold. Um,
2: is it? it is. It's really it's undersold because gra- the I,
0: greatest, yeah, it's, it's way better than people theme. describe. It's 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 amazing, and I think what what doesn't get shared is watching your kids be parents. Yeah. Um, again, kind of the pride, but also the sense that that maybe you
2: did a few things right.
1: Mm-hmm. So.
2: That feels good. Oh man, hearing S- you say that swells, and thinking about that
0: swells your chest, and it's it's. It's probably as emotional of a thing that that uh, I think you can go through.
2: Thanks. So you're kind of hearing a little bit of Chad's heart and and soul here with this, and and being new uh, officially as of what? When when did you officially come July on board here? One. July, July one. July mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, you've you've been in education a few years now, um, almost thirty, and that uh, new to us. You come into us. We're having you in here as um, uh, the vision and the expertise and the experience behind uh, leadership in in our in our our world of education today. What Chad? What do you know now today that you feel you didn't know five years ago?
0: You know, um, I think it's it's been a different five years than every other five years in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, what really has good and bad opened my eyes the last five years is the range, the spectrum of, I don't know, human interaction or, you know, from compassion and kindness to the vitriol. Um, I used to think this, you know, there's a lot of philosophical changes uh, that, that I've gone through. Uh, from you know, growing up in a small town in a small family and, and then this business being exposed to a lot of different ideas and perspectives. Um, I used one of the one of the philosophies I grew up with, I think, was that a person is who they are, truly are at their worst. And I would say the last five years, certainly the last couple of years, I have changed that significantly. I don't think that's true at all. I think we all can, uh, including myself, can really, Get into a hole can really have a bad reaction to a situation, uh, and that's not really who I think we are. Or I was, um, yeah. in, in a particular case here and there. Um, so then, um, trying to be a less judgmental person, um, and then I, you know, uh, throw that onto other people, other experiences, and so forth. And again, I still, um, I still have a ways to go. But but through COVID, um, you really saw, and you know that's the challenge in in the in the business of, of leadership and especially in school leadership is it's, it's difficult to have uh, close friends because, um, you know, there's just so few people that do the same kind of work really. um, And, and everybody in your circle you work with, or there are, they are parents or, or, or colleagues and in some cases, there's things you know or have experienced with people that you wish you wouldn't have had maybe. I mean, so you get to see that, and it's just difficult. So it's a very uh, it's a very small island, um, but a tight-knit one. Mm-hmm. So I think I've kind of gotten way off the question. but no, I, no, I think
1: great. that was deep.
2: Yeah. You had a lot of answers and lots of thoughts in there that— <laughs> That maybe someday I'll ask you more about this on some a, of
0: those. But. This is a two or three hour podcast,
2: right? You no. can be. We yeah. can we can cut and do things. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not going to do that. And Here's the thing is we can invite folks to, uh, if you have questions, uh, to, to send in a question to the resilientsteam.isdac.org and we'll see what we can do to have a, a different conversation around something you're interested in.
0: Turn this into a call-in show.
2: Yeah, we need, where's our phone? <laughs> well, gosh, I think our people are, you know, uh, this, working.
0: Uh, this, episode, <laughs> this episode was pre-recorded.
2: Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Chad, you, you kind of talked a little bit about some things that you've learned over the past few years. Thinking back to your first year as a superintendent, you know how, right off the top of your head, how long ago that was? Your first year?
0: Um, 14 years ago, 13 years ago.
2: Yeah. So in... Thinking back to that, what do you wish somebody would have sat down with you and said, hey, Chad, this is what's going to happen, and this is what you're going to want to know as, as a first year and then again also as a second year as you've grown?
0: Um, you know, that's, I'd kind of go back to that, that island comment I made earlier. Um, there is a tremendous amount of of support and network, and maybe not even amount because, again, it's a, it's a – exclusive club not saying that as a as a privilege kind of thing but as a just there's just only so many of of us um or superintendents in the area or in the state Um, but incredibly supportive um again we're on the same page um so i really had those people sharing those things anybody to answer questions it didn't matter how long they had been in the business it didn't matter how big a school they were in you know again I, i my first superintendent gig in mound ridge And, uh, and, you know, our rival school at the time was Inman or still is for a long time. Um, and the Inman superintendent, Kevin Case at the time was my mentor and he spent literally spent days in my office as we tried to kind of get the budget put together and figure out some things. And, and, um, I mean, like best friend and brother kind of relationship right away. It didn't matter that, you know, we, we competed against each other, um, and, and there were several of those so uh, and then I would say this too that probably not unlike being uh you know a teenager as a you know oftentimes I can go back and say I wish my parents would have taught me this or said this but they always did you just you, you decide at the time whether you're going to listen or choose to take that advice and then either have regrets or appreciation after the fact so I'm not sure that um there was anything that wasn't shared or or any advice that wasn't given um that i either didn't listen to or or wish i would have had i mean i think i don't uh, i don't think you can really prepare people for that kind of a role uh, hmm. through words um i think you have to learn it I, I unlike not unlike a teacher i think you can have the best teaching prep experience in college and, and student teaching and so forth, but until it's your own classroom, until they're your own kids and your own set of parents and your own, you know, support network, you just really will not know um, what it's like. And so at that point, that's when, that's when the mentorship and the, and the network um, collegiality is incredibly important.
2: Right. The best, the best learning and the best advice lands in an ear that's ready to hear it.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's, uh, you know, what, probably what I've, what I've, I think Carmen and I were out in the hall talking earlier about that, that um that I've learned is 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 from from the people in my life. There's been just a handful who have significantly altered my path philosophically or mm-hmm. character or you know, politics, religion, whatever the case may be. Only a few. I mean, several people that have influenced my life, but only a few that have really changed my direction. And none of them have told me. That this is what I should think, or this is how I should behave, or this is how I should see things. They just were such great humans um, that I admired so much, and they just acted a certain way or believed in a certain mm-hmm. thing, and I was I was open to to hearing from those people and learning from those those folks, and uh, and then you just gradually become a more humble person because you realize that what you believed before. Isn't isn't true, and it doesn't mean that what you believed uh, or were taught was wrong. It was just from a a single point in time when you were um, soaking that in.
2: So then, is that really what leadership is, or what is leadership to you?
0: Uh, Um, I think um, it is a collection, um, a collective effort, a collaboration of of growth of of Pursuing improvement, and um, you know whether that's you know growing yourself um, through the associations you make, or it's growing an organization or a team or a family. It could be in your own household, um, you know, because you know leadership doesn't have to be the, uh, the the patriarch, the father figure, or in some cases the parent even. But but I think it's the collective effort of uh, and, and certainly there has to be somebody you know pulling that mm-hmm. effort together um, with the right intentions um, but i've I've uh, learned the hard way um, that i I was not always this and shouldn't be the smartest person in the room uh, and and uh, I have a lot to learn and my uh, the last seven years as the superintendent there in Mays I had a tremendous team of people around me Um Great human beings. I know they got sick of me talking about humility and leadership. I think it's a, uh, you know, really an underdeveloped characteristic or uh, not not talked about enough. Um, because once you once you cross that line, once you really truly believe that you um, might be wrong, mm-hmm. um, that you 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 know could possibly have been influenced in a different way or be biased to a certain once once you acknowledge that in every decision and you seek out. Um, varied perspectives. I think uh, the potential is endless for an organization or yourself. So, um, but uh, what it opens you up to is it can be really hard as well. So,
2: I like that. Uh, around here, inspired leadership has really dropped in, at least into my heart and head. And I don't know if it has to anybody else, but I have repeated it over and over is that leadership is an action, not a title. And when they said that, the first time, Tamara Conrady said that the first time and I heard her, I was like, yeah, I can dig that. Because I, no. I look at myself as a leader, although here at ESDAC, I supervise no one at all. and But that doesn't mean that I'm not a leader in every single space where I show up. And mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about, too, is that...
0: Yeah, I think the word empowerment probably gets used a little too often, but to me that's really what it is is um it's just getting out of the way sometimes. Like like who's the best person to to take on this thing or to solve this thing or provide the the expertise, the input or or craft the solution or or you know take the next step, um figure that out and then everybody contribute and then get out of the way um in some cases. So
2: Good stuff there. Wow.
1: Yeah. When I think about like humility in leadership and leadership, um, by action and, you know, just the, um, way that you stepped into as Chad with this level of, I'm here as a learner. And I've, we've just witnessed you go out and really spend time talking to people about needs, about perspectives and coming back in and saying, here's, you know, some of what I am think I'm learning. Tell me more. and, I've just really appreciated you um, showing us that humility is important to you, and also the courage that you have brought. And I think humility and courage uh, are just kind of natural brother and sister. Um, it takes a lot of courage to be humble. It takes a lot of courage to admit we don't know what we don't know yet. It takes a lot of courage to lead people out of struggle. And so, and and when that's done with humility, that just builds trust. Um, we, I, I'm a part of a fellowship and they always talk about the humility coin and how, um, they want to give it to somebody. But if the person ever shows it to anybody else, they have to give it away. (laughs) Like like, who is, who's the most humble Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. group, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you get the humility coin and you ever show it to somebody, you have to give it away. Right. Cause, and so that's why I think humility is such an honorable direction for us to pursue. And it is, it is a moment by moment pursuit for me.
0: Not long after I finished my doctorate, I got really interested in, um, you know, research in, in that direction, um, because my experience, you know, progressing through educational leadership and, and study and experience and trainings and books and so forth, it's, it's really not a word you can come across. And I thought, what a void, what a, what a, what a missing piece and then once you start digging in, if you really look for research on humility and leadership, it exists at a significant level. It's just not popular to talk about, I think. I think it's it's uncomfortable or it's you know, we're still in um uh, um I don't know, I, I I feel judgmental saying, but you know, kind of this false arrogance, mm-hmm. um, this perception of what a leader should look like or mm-hmm. act like or sound like. Um And getting out of that, Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I was fortunate enough to play high school football in a very successful program, very popular program. And it was because of the coach and the, and the environment and the, and the culture, but, but it was, it wasn't the yelling and screaming and cussing, kind of that stereotype, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, of the football coach. Um, And that's all I knew. Um, And that's what I thought it was supposed to be like, and then you get outside of that world and you experience maybe at the time uh, what was more popular or more common. It completely turned me off of, of what I thought was going to be a long-term um, mm-hmm. career and job and, and interest of mine. Um, and so I see it kind of now in, uh, honestly, politics, leadership, government, business, whatever the case may be, um, is this, this stereotype of what leadership should look and sound and,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and, uh, feel like. And, but if you dig deep into what some of the most successful organizations, most successful leaders have been, um, one of the most common threads is that humble, quiet, consistent, um, environment. Um, But it's just, again, I don't, I don't think it's, it's talked about near enough.
2: Two or three hour podcast.
0: There's, <laughs> Sorry I've got, about that. No, no, no.
2: And that's what I'm saying is that you're saying some really delicious things that I would really want to dig into, um, mostly around the idea of humility, because I've got my own little oh history with that word. And I think that a lot of folks, um, how I've seen and heard it used, weaponized, mm-hmm. is that a person is not humble enough that they think they're better than or they're not That if someone is humble, then they feel they're less than, they're not as good. They've got the I'm not worthy sort of thing. And that's not how you're defining humility at all. You're defining it more as a, I'm still a learner.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, I I think uh, there's a big difference. You can still be, I don't know, the loudest person in the room, um, as long as you you understand and recognize that you're not the smartest person, uh, that you don't have all the answers, that you're there to, to collect it. Um, again, I think it's a, a real art in leadership to be able to extract the resource, the information, the expertise from those mm-hmm. individuals in the room. One of the things I have to practice uh, very intently is when, when a topic's being discussed, um, because of my role in a room as the boss, I have to be the last one to share an opinion or a thought. I have to wait mm-hmm, so I don't mm-hmm. influence unduly those mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. others in the room. I want to hear. You know, we went through some interviews just just yesterday uh, with a committee uh, of staff members, and I was um, very careful not to be the first one to share my opinion about the candidates because I really wanted mm-hmm. to hear, hear, and I wanted them to feel comfortable saying um, uh, the other people on the committee to say what they So that's one example. but you know again there's all there's all kinds of styles and approaches we all have personalities we all have strengths as far as speaking or 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 you know collaborating or listening or organizing um but again the the humility piece is it's not just being clear about your willingness to learn and grow um but the but making sure the people in the room understand that and are comfortable with that
2: mm-hmm. thanks so looking forward, we look back a little bit about your first years in leadership and superintendency. If we look forward, 20 years ahead, what do you hope's transformed about public education? What do you hope remains the same?
0: Um, you know, I would have said just pre-COVID that, and I'm an advocate for, for change in public ed, I think, um, or education in general. It's, it's become now a real... Political hot button issue: the private versus public versus homeschool mm-hmm. versus uh, funding and so forth. Um, and I've said even publicly many times, there's plenty of things we could do differently in, in schools. Um, but we spend so much time defending um, mm-hmm. ourselves, and and rightfully so. I, we, you know, you think about the the variety, the 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 spectrum of students' um, backgrounds and, and skill sets, um, and we're doing it, you know, again, the, the, the least cost-effective method, the cheapest we possibly can do it, um, we're doing an amazing job. Um, but again, as the world gets um, smaller because of the connectivity issues and, and access to information, uh, influences that exist. It's just going to get harder and harder, I think. Uh, I'm all for, I don't care how a student, how a child gets an education or exposure to the world or how they learn how to interact with each other, how they learn to process information, think critically. I don't care how or where, um, but but if we continue to fight about it, um, it'll just, it'll, uh, I think, continue to spin further down um, you know, a spiral, and, and the students are the ones who will um, be hurt by it the most. So I don't know. I, I hope in 20 years um, it doesn't have to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Um, but that's a philosophy, one, you know, one of those that I wish could change mm-hmm. that I learned when I was younger, um, that there's always a kind of a pendulum uh, with everything, politics and money and education and religion and whatever the case may be. But. Um my fear is we're not yet at the at the bottom of this Sweet. perpetual fight of of who and how decides where and when and what a student learns and, and so forth. So so that's that's a little glass half empty, I get. Um
2: well, it kind of I leads the, me into a, a question uh, I dying to ask, but go ahead, finish that.
0: Well, I just think the frustrating part is. Um, and this is this was my response to a lot of questions about COVID and leadership, and you know, um, was that there was always a process to figure out a problem, to to solve something, to create something. But with COVID, we didn't have the answers. We didn't know, and we still had to make decisions. And that's kind of how I am with the future of education. I don't I don't know how to get everybody on the same page. I don't I don't know what should be done next. Um, so I feel like I am spinning my wheels. I'm ready to get in the fight with politics and I'm ready to, to engage at a different level, but I'm not sure that that's going to help yet. Mm
2: -hmm. So I don't,
0: I, I just, I feel paralyzed to some extent about, about how to, how to make things better on a, on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously I have ideas, but I don't, again, I I don't, that doesn't mean they're right.
2: Mm, That's a challenge for sure. I think I'll leave that as is. Yeah, That question I was dying to ask, we won't do that on air. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't want to answer it. I just say, I don't know.
2: Well, and, and that's, I mean, so honest and vulnerable right there uh, to say, listen, I know I'm a lead here and I know I'm supposed to be helping folks, but I don't know. So how will we figure this out together? If we all don't know, how would we, what's the first step that we want to start to ponder?
0: I don't know. Um, I I get so frustrated by the what we what we should be talking about and what we are talking about. Whether again, whether that's in schools or whether that's in communities, whether that's on the national level, it's embarrassing, honestly, that we're having legislative hearings about what I believe is a a false narrative on the on the TikTok social media stuff uh, when there's real much more serious issues yeah. that are, that are solvable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I also think that is, I think people are using that platform to, to, to learn more, to come together on a, in a very positive way. Uh, and that's terrifying for, for those in power, whether it's politicians or corporations or, or what have you, who, who have been able to influence and manipulate the masses for so long. And I think, I think TikTok is a, is a scary tool for for us common folk um to start figuring things out a little bit better so mm-hmm. and find good recipes but that's a whole other good recipes <laughs> yes.
2: thanks chad for that yeah Hmm. again plenty to ponder so since you've come into esdac and you've been here for a whole nine-ish months now i didn't count them up but you've been here a bit yeah, you've been kind of uh, thrown in with us on the resilience team, even this morning right now with the Mad sad, glad, or Afraid. Yeah. I don't know if you've had a chance to practice that with us before, but uh, since you've been with us and engaging in some of the stuff that we've been doing, what's now become clear to you?
0: You're right. I have. Uh, I have only really touched the surface of all of our teams and the work they do. I've I've been able to participate or not participate, but observe some of the presentations and, and a little bit of the work, but but not nearly enough. Again, because there's just there's just so much fun. There's there's so many things I I want to do, but I think the depth, um, the the passion that exists is energizing for me to to be around uh, the two of you. Uh, Katie, Carmen, um, is, you know, next level, um, compassion and, and care for, for humans. Um, it, it fills my bucket when I get just any kind of conversation with any one of uh, the team members, um, and it, it brings me hope honestly it's it's the mm-hmm. that that we have that we have schools and educators that are are asking for for you to come in or for you to do some work or to learn from you um i just think it's it, uh it's op, it provides the optimism that that um i think we need still in this business that the, there is tremendous comp- compassion and concern and uh, and solutions for uh, for this, uh, the challenges that our teachers are facing with their with the students and our families are facing, and uh, I don't think I don't think we can do enough fast enough um, at a at a large enough scale. But I'm ready.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm I, when up. you put it that way, it makes me realize. Yeah, the reason we get to go out and work in schools is because there are teachers who say, "Hey, this is what we're going through. Is it good? It isn't right, and we need help and support." They still care. They're not they're not done. They're still in the Mm -hmm. fight, making it happen Mm -hmm. for kids and for each other and their colleagues. And and that's why we get to do what we get to do. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I didn't think about it that way. Appreciate that. Gosh, I I don't know. Has this been two hours yet? (laughs) I've, I've got a lot of notes written down here where I'm still picking stuff up. Do you
1: have anything, Rebecca, that you want to ask? Um, I just think about some of the remarkable conversations that I've had with you, Chad, where I've been like, oh, what do you think about this? And here's here's what I've learned so far. And uh, it's just been really thought-provoking um, and expandable. Like I've just ex- it's expanded every time we've had some philosophical um, conversations. I wouldn't call them debates, but more like, hey, here's what I think I know so far. And you're like, hey, here's what I think I know so far. And we're like, hmm, there's more to more to discover. So paradigm shifts. I just kind of had this experience in this sense when I first started working with schools that, oh, until people have a way to start to consider something different, it's really difficult to get anywhere. And for me, I've had multiple paradigm shifts in my life. I'm currently going through one right now and it's exciting and it's scary and it's full of regret and oh my goodness, all the things. And so what are some of the paradigm shifts that you have had in your professional career, Chad, or just as a human, like what, what are some that really stand out for you?
0: Um, I think, uh, I think in this business, I think as far as paradigm shifts is social media and its influence on the work we do and, and what's going on with kids and their families, and the politics that influence mm-hmm. public schools, I don't. I don't think we've even touched the surface of of how it is really um, generating the uh, misinformation and the and the growing distrust in schools. Um, I just think about the the kitty litter boxes and mm-hmm. the um, mm-hmm. CRT and and the things you know that people were convinced were going on in schools. That were not. They were. They were, again were all fabrications mm-hmm. of of um, again a political machine that that has has been successful, unfortunately. So, um, and then you think about you know social media and its impacts on kids mm-hmm. um, and self esteem, um, or or families, parents, communities. Um, this this idea that if one or two people agree with me, then on, on Facebook, then everybody must agree with me. Everybody must think like I do. And it, it provides this false sense of community in a negative way. Uh, and again, don't get me wrong. I think there's, there's tremendous tools i mentioned before about, uh, a, a great way to learn some things and people come together. Um, but, but clearly a lack of, of, um, critical thinking, um, really understanding how to find out if something is, is true or mm-hmm. um, not enough ability, uh, humility to question something, mm-hmm. uh, but rather ser- search out this uh, uh, reinforcement mm-hmm. uh, bias that might exist. I, for me, it's helped me you know, be more conscientious of it when I've had to experience the other side of that, um and you know defend things that you we, we, sh- we shouldn't have to defend um but it's it's i've caught myself doing the same thing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i think that's going to be the big key to to our ability in you know, society let alone in our schools um, is t- is to help people understand that that, that bias that exists um, how to think critically of the information they get and how to um you know, just, just, uh, recognize their own. I probably got way off the the question, I guess, as far as yeah. paradigm shifts. Um, but I think it's, it's, I think that social media, whatever platform is, is having a, having a significant impact good, good in some cases, I believe, but, mm-hmm. but I think, uh, until we can kind of, catch up to it education wise Mm -hmm. and, and understanding. I think, I think where I'm very interested in after a conversation, a couple of conversations in the last week, uh, as far as how we can serve schools and communities kind of, kind of with this in mind is, is help facilitate community engagement, help facilitate Mm -hmm. some of these tough conversations Mm -hmm. from a neutral perspective. It's not a matter of, Right or wrong or left or right, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but let's really dig into where this information is coming from, where this opinion is coming from. Let's look at both sides of it and so forth. So um, that's that's kind of what I've, has kept me awake the last few nights is how to how to do this,
2: how to create a space to hear one another and listen. It sounds like circle
1: work to me. You know, Chad and Ginger, yeah um bringing people together with the spirit of hey we all have something to contribute here and it isn't you know you're right you're wrong i know where you got that idea it's how do we go back to the center the heart of our towns <laughs> and really build something together that values each individual's fears intentions hopes i mean like cuz all of that stuff matters, and we have lost. It feels like, and I don't want to be um, uh, like negative, but it, it feels yeah. like we've lost the ability to come to the table.
0: The it's funny that you use the word table. In one of the first conversations I had with Ginger in in the fall, was talking about one of my favorite. I don't we don't watch a whole lot. TV or or movies or anything like that, but I got hooked into this Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. series that he did many years ago where he, a chef, but traveled the world with the premise that we're all, doesn't matter what country we come mm-hmm. from, what socioeconomic status um, uh, or what have you, is that that we're all almost exactly alike and want the same things. We want our kids yes. to grow up healthy. Yep. We want to put food on the table. Yep. And, and this concept was if you can just sit down and have a meal with people who yep. are very different from you, mm-hmm. um, you'll realize that. You'll have the conversations, mm-hmm. you'll laugh, um, and you'll experience this this connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think this has to be. And um, I, I love that. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. it was just uh, really eye-opening for me um and again i think it it, it it created in me both this patience and understanding but impatience that like we we got to get this figured out before before it gets worse so um mm-hmm. it's it's what uh, among many things has really ramped up my own anxiety the last several years is this this like you mentioned before the sense that things are getting away from us and how mm-hmm. can we how can we slow that burn uh, and then get it reversed?
2: But. Because of all these crazy actions, if we really look at them, it really is just rooted in fear—fear uh, fear of losing that thing that you held so dear. And and so when we can say those things and and realize that there's almost always a "yeah, me too" moment, even though we're coming at it from really different points of view, instead of battling. The Don Quixote's um, windmills.
1: tilting at windmills. Right?
2: Let's really get to something much closer uh, and look at each
1: other instead of the things that we can't really see. You know, Ginger, that's how I'm sitting here today, is that there was this crazy thing called a poverty project, and they were grabbing middle-class people and sometimes wealthy, and they were grabbing folks out of, you know, whatever kind of um, – trailer park or, you know, housing project that we could find it. And we're like, come, come have dinner come together. together. Just come have dinner together. And we're going to build these intentional friendships. And then pretty soon everybody's like, oh my gosh. And I just remember early on as as I started to come up out of that and I started to get tuned into politics because when I was experiencing poverty, like it didn't matter who was who and what was what. It didn't change anything on the ground, right? And I started to recognize that there was all this um, dis- you know, kind of division. And then I would go to that every Thursday night and I would leave. And I'm like, yeah, but this is the solution. You come together with people of all different backgrounds, all different belief systems, all different faith, agnostic, atheist. It didn't matter. We sat down and we had dinner and we experienced something bigger than ourselves together. So that's the Anthony Bourdain piece, is you learn a lot about somebody when you share a meal together.
2: Meals make the society. They hold the fabric together in lots of ways that were charming and interesting and intoxicating to me. The perfect meal or the best meals occur in a context that frequently has very little to do with the food itself. Mm. Hot dogs?
1: Sure. Sure. It's not about the food. It's not about the food. Oh, my goodness. Chad, is there anything else you'd like to kind of close out? This is your first time with our listeners, and so is there anything you'd like to leave them with?
0: I I think our – I guess just go back to what I mentioned earlier about our organization and why I'm so excited to be a part of this is uh, I've I've kind of jokingly said amongst our group uh, the last few weeks is let's put the service back in service center – not that it ever wasn't necessarily, but it's kind of what I leave every mm-hmm. conversation with a uh, with a colleague, or superintendent, or or educator is is please reach out if there's something we can do. Like we we may not have the answer mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but if there's one of you or a hundred of you who who have have mm-hmm. something, yeah, let's let's figure this out. This is how Restore got started. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, it was mm-hmm. a it was a superintendent who said, "Hey, we're having we we lost this person, and we yep. have this." Can you do this? And, and Carmen and I said, hey, wait a minute. Yep. Maybe we can turn this into something bigger. Let's use this as a model. Let's work through it and so forth. And now um, it's, it's going to, I think, really take off and help kids because I, I right away, it put me back into that place when I was mm-hmm. a principal. Like, mm-hmm. we have to expel this student by law, but, but there is no way that's the best thing for this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but we had no solutions.
1: So Restore, just to kind of give our listeners a little bit of context, um, we have got to partner with several districts um, for when kids are experiencing long-term uh, suspensions or expulsions. We are walking alongside of those students and addressing some of the need that they um, brought with them into whatever malfeasance. So it could be mental health, it could be addiction, it could be a myriad of things. And we're also keeping them up on their core academics and working some... Um, Uh, processes that will help them get ready to go back into the school. And we also do restorative work with the school, the family and the student prior to them returning the stories that we are hearing from parents, from kids, from administrators is mind blowing. And so while just like Chad said, we know that times there's no way out of um, having some of these consequences. However, many superintendents um, are excited about the idea of what's happening with the kid while they're out. And so I love that story, Chad. It's pretty cool to watch what Carmen's doing. Yeah. It is amazing. And to have the space to just say, let's figure it out. Let's figure
2: it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you coming in. And with that point of view, I know there were a lot of folks, you know, anytime there's a change in leadership. And by the way, for folks who are listening here, my guess is if you haven't gone through a change in leadership recently, you've got one coming. This is we're we're in a shifting space right now. Okay. And so listen very carefully to what Chad has been saying about, you know, that holding on to still being a learner and and figuring this out together. And I also heard that ESDAC is starting a restaurant did I hear that? Did we were talking about meals and food. The table. Yeah. We're oh, gonna, yeah, we know, no, we're, actually, we're he gonna, looked at me like, what? gonna build <laughs> what? tables, Ginger. <laughs> t- we're building
1: long, long tables. Long
2: tables. There long we go. Tables. Longer and wider. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and friends, if you are um, an administrator, just know that Chad is very eager to spend time with you if you just need a safe space. And so I've watched that happen and truly um knowing that that there is A place for you to connect and get some feedback and some guidance. And you don't have to be just in Kansas. You don't have to be just in Kansas. We'd love to hear from you. And so remember, um, Bridging to Resilience is coming up in November. We've moved it from Kansas City, Kansas to Wichita, Kansas. We've got a new venue. The cost um, to attend is way down. I have a really funny feeling that this conference is going to um, perhaps sell out. Yep. Just because of some of the. So go to um, bridgingtoresilience.esdac.org, check it out. We want to see you there. I hope that's right, Ginger. If it's not, we'll just
2: put her in the okay, show notes. I don't know it's B2R or we'll figure We're it out. We'll figure it out, but we'll get you there. Okay,
1: everybody, bye for now. And we can't wait to spend time with you next time.